Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Very, very happy Halloween to you guys. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, October the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the trade deadline came and went, and the Dolphins sat on their hands. And we'll talk about the ramifications of Miami's moves, or lack thereof, tell you about my new quarterback crush, answer some Twitter questions, and officially turn the page with a Crossover Wednesday podcast talking with Locked On Jets host John Butchko. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps the podcast grow, get out to more Dolphins, helps us keep on doing this podcast for you guys each and every day. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins, and you can find my writing work at LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network, as well as FanRag Sports, 3rd10.com, and previously of the Palm Beach Post. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Jets podcast, to get caught up on all the news and notes from this week's opponent. We have yet another busy show for you guys. Let's go ahead and get things started. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by My Bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid, and getting paid today was Ziggy Hood. The former first-round defensive tackle out of Missouri, there was all kinds of buildup for Tuesday's deadline, and Miami's only move was signing a middling defensive tackle that, quite frankly, can't play anymore. And this move made a little bit more sense later on in the day as we learned that Vincent Taylor was placed on injured reserve as this cursed season, this cursed regime under Adam Gase, continues with more and more injuries piling up. We are now up to six players on injured reserve And that's not even counting Mike Hole and Jake Brendel, who figured to get back on the team on Boomerang IR. All these guys are permanent fixtures, mainstays on the roster. And that's in addition to Ryan Tannehill, Kenny Stills, AJ Derby, Cameron Wake, Rashad Jones, and Bobby McCain all missing multiple games. It's getting very, very old as Miami once again is one of the most banged up teams in the NFL. And injuries are a good segue into my next topic regarding my plan at the quarterback position for the future. I wrote a column up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now that I'm actually very, very proud of. A lot of research, some film study, and connecting just random dots went into this thing. I'll allow you guys to check it out for yourselves. It's called The Bridge to the Future at Quarterback. And if you couldn't tell already, it's about Teddy Bridgewater. And I know that's going to cause some agony for some of you to hear. But hear me out on this one. Here's why I think this move is going to happen next March. There are five teams that have to have quarterbacks next year. Denver, Jacksonville, the New York Giants, Tampa Bay, and our Miami Dolphins. But there are literally no quarterbacks out there to be had. Like nothing. If you heard yesterday's podcast with John Ledyard of the Locked On Draft podcast, you heard him tell us this class is almost useless. The guy he propped up the most, Boise State's Brett Ripien, really isn't that great of a player. He lacks the requisite arm strength to play at this level. So the draft is out if you want an immediate starter. Even Justin Herbert and or Dwayne Haskins, if they both come out, you figure one of those guys goes to the Giants at the top of the draft and Miami misses out altogether. So Miami figures to have to compete with the other three teams 
in this quarterback hunt. And the Armando Salguero column that I linked in that column up on LockedOnDolphins.com talks about how the Dolphins sought out Teddy Bridgewater this offseason and showed interest in signing the quarterback. There's another column back in 2017 from the summer from a radio host named AJ Mansour, and he connected these dots with these Teddy Bridgewater tweets when Ryan Tannehill went down in August for the first time. And it was about these tweets from Bridgewater saying, God is great. Things are coming together. And he even went as far as liking someone's tweet suggestion that the Dolphins ought to pursue Bridgewater via a trade. And Bridgewater wants to be in Miami. He's gone as far as to say it's a dream of his to play for his hometown team. He is a Miami native. And the best part of all of it is that Adam Gaze had to have signed off on the idea because he has final say over the roster. And I imagine that goes tenfold for the quarterback position. So then I went back over some of Teddy Bridgewater's preseason tape from this past summer. And there's a high level quarterback in there. The mental processing aspect of his game was very sharp. He showed elusiveness to deal with the pass rush. He had accuracy, touch, and drive on his throws. You can check out the column. There are six videos in that column from this preseason that I think should quell any concerns about his injury or his ability to play the position. The compensation, however, would be interesting. Talks broke down when Bridgewater's agent floated $15 million as a starting point for this year. He obviously wanted a chance to earn all that money because playing time and his statistics were going to be a factor in regards to an incentive-laced contract. And with Ryan Tannehill entrenched as the starter, it wasn't going to work out here because he was going to be firmly placed as the backup. So he goes to the Jets. He winds up getting traded to the Saints, and now he's not going to see any of that extra money. I figure it'll probably be a one-year deal with Miami, something in the 10 to $15 million range. That's just my guess, but I am intrigued by it. Not just because he's literally the only option on the quarterback market, but I think he would function very well in this scheme, and that should be evidenced by Adam Gay signing off on the signing back in March. So the way we tie this all together here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, Wednesday, Halloween, October the 31st edition, is talking about the moves that did happen. And I would have been okay if the Dolphins parlayed off a mid-round pick, probably closer to a fourth or a fifth for Teddy Bridgewater. I imagine they would have said no, but if it would have happened, I would have been happy because Miami could have worked him into the offense all season and gone into the offseason with him as they presumed starter for 2019, or at least check that option off the box and just seeing what Teddy Bridgewater can do in an offense and and more importantly, in this offense. So I think the Dolphins would be wise to go down that path. I think it will happen. It's a ways away, but I'm assuming, and based on the article and the evidence I have concluded, I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a Miami Dolphin in 2019. As for now, I am done talking about the future for the rest of the week. It's Jets week. And next, we're going to talk Dolphins and Jets with Locked On Jets host John Butchko. But first, a word from my bookie. And every Friday on the podcast, I tell you guys about my college picks, who I'm betting on. And the truth is, I don't always know who's going to win. But if you think that you know who's going to win, you have to check out my bookie. It's important who you bet on, but it's just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie, the best bet you'll make all season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. And that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since MyBookie is currently slammed with new bettors, you can get an extra $25 if you deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. 
Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play money. And if you can hold out and wait until after dinner, you can add an additional $25 free play if you deposit your money after 7 p.m. with promo code LOCKEDON25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until later in the evening and take the extra money with my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back into the Halloween episode of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and we are doing the spookiest thing imaginable for the holiday, welcoming in the enemy. He is the host of the Locked On Jets podcast, John Butchko. John, how's it going, my friend? Travis, great to be back. Yeah, we did this once earlier this year. It, uh, it went in the Dolphins' favor, but both these teams have kind of separated themselves from contention in a way the last few weeks, particularly the Dolphins. But as we head into this game for the Jets, I know your team is pretty banged up right now. Could you just real quick go over their medical as we head into the week of practice? Um, I mean, this. Sh- how long do we want the show to be, Travis? <laughs> <laughs> it works yeah, both ways. Just- yeah, the Jets, are, the Jets are really banged up right now. You look on offense, you have Bilal Powell, who's probably their best running back on IR. You have their top two receivers missed last week's game, and Quincy and Nunwa and Robbie Anderson. On the defensive side of the ball, things are actually improving a little bit. Now, Tremaine Johnson, the number one corner, has been out the last few weeks. He missed the Bears game, but the Jets did get a couple pieces back to their secondary and Marcus May and Buster Screen, who returned for the Bears game. So things are looking a little bit up. I, I think that's everybody. I mean, it's so, this is so long, I probably should have written it down. It's just, it's just felt, it feels like the Jets are just kind of a medical ward right now. It seems like that's kind of the case for a lot of teams in the NFL as the Dolphins, as I'm sure you've seen as well, have six starters on injured reserve. We've had seven or eight other stars miss two games. So it's it's an absolute nightmare getting backups onto the field over and over again. But let's go ahead and shift back to the starters because last time we saw Sam Darnold, the entire country, at least for Dolphins fans, I should say, the entire country was ready to crown the guy. And then he came back to earth a little bit against the Miami secondary. What have you personally seen from him since that week two game? I He's been a rookie. There have been yep. some really bad moments. Uh, there have been some really good moments. I mean, there have been some games where he's looked totally hopeless. Uh, you know, I think of early season contests against Cleveland and Jacksonville where those defenses kind of rattled him, got into his head. And then there were some really good games. Roast recently, a couple of home games against the Colts and the Broncos where he started to make plays that made it look like he's starting to come along, whether it's, you know, holding a safety in the middle, in the middle of the field with his eyes or throwing a receiver open. I mean, there was, there was, he played two really impressive games recently at, at home against the, the Colts and the uh, Broncos. Now last week was actually a game. I, his numbers looked terrible. I did not think he played that badly in that game. Whereas, you know, week two against the Dolphins, you look at his numbers it looks like he played a very good game, whereas I thought his game was a little shaky sure. that first meeting between the two teams. Last week, his numbers didn't look great, but you know, you watch the game, and I can't find any instances where he failed to execute something that was there. I mean, it was just as we, you know, you, you go back to talking about the injuries. You know, he was missing his two best receivers. He was missing his top running back. And I mean, the other thing is, with all due respect to Quincy Adunwa, Bilal Powell, Robbie Anderson, who are quality NFL players. These are not exactly guys who profile to be go-to guys on most teams. So he wasn't starting a, a, at a very high point to begin with, and then you take those guys away, it it leaves the offense with troubles. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't put much of that Bears game on Darnold though. I think that he did what he could. I think he actually, in some ways, made it better than it would have been because there were a couple plays where he moved within the pocket and found an open guy where he probably should have been sacked. So you know, I, there are some. 
I guess the overall, he's been a rookie. He, there have been some very good moments, but there, there have been some very bad moments. It's kind of a mixed bag. Well, the case for any rookie quarterback is always, and you mentioned the Colts and the and the Broncos games where the Jets running game was really cranked up. And anytime you can do that and create some kind of balance, it really helps a quarterback, especially a young quarterback. And that brings me into my next question for you, because the Dolphins run defense last we saw you was dominant. They were allowing something like three yards per carry, maybe less than that at the time. And now they can't stop a nosebleed. So you mentioned Bilal Powell being out. How is the Jets running game coming along in recent weeks? Well, with Powell out, uh, that means the bulk of the carries are going to go to Isaiah Crowell, and Crowell has just been feast or famine this year. He's had two pretty big games. One was against Detroit. The other one was against Denver. And aside from that, he's kind of struggled. So you know, it depends on which Isaiah Crowell you're going to get. And I think the run blocking has been inconsi- right there with it in terms of inconsistency. Now, uh, you know what? I forgot one of the guys who, who missed a game. There are so many of them. Spencer Long, who was the center, <laughs> sat out the, the game against Chicago. But he's been really – he's struggled quite a bit. I mean, yeah, he, he was given the Jets' bottom of the league play at the center position. It's an offensive line that's – it's not as bad as some of the like the really dreadful units in in the league, and you know, be here in New York. Obviously, you compare them to the Giants; they're not as bad as the Giants. But this <laughs> is a very inconsistent offensive line, and it's not an offensive line with a lot of top end talent. So, kind of depends which offensive line and which Isaiah Crowell show up this week. Yeah, Spencer Long was the guy on my All Twenty Two review that just kept getting whipped over and over again by whoever the Dolphins put across from him. So, I guess that could be the case going forward. Of course, the Dolphins now without Vincent Taylor, their top defensive tackle, out for the season as well. Travis Wingfield, John Butchko here with you guys on the Crossover Wednesday podcast, the Crossover Wednesday edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, and John. Let's spin things over to the other side of the football here real quick. The Jets were in on Khalil Mack this summer. I have to assume they were in on Dante Fowler today as the trade deadline came and went. How has the pass rush for the Jets evolved since that Week 2 game? I think it's starting to slow down. It started the season off pretty hot, which was surprising because the Jets did not have a lot of top-end talent, um, especially off the edge. So the Jets were actually producing fairly well in their pass rush early in the season. Um, Henry Anderson, the guy they acquired from the Colts, was was contributing to that. And it was kind of a surprise because Anderson was more always profiled as more of a run stuffer than a pass rusher. Uh, he's kind of cooled off a little bit. There were the Jets added a, a pretty low file guy, low profile guy in the offseason, a free agent Brandon Copeland, who's played reasonably well as an edge guy, but you know, he's not a guy you, you want to be your best pass rusher off the edge. <laughs> so it's it started off surprisingly well. Now I think it's kind of regressing to the mean. I mean, these are not big-time pass rushers the Jets have on this team. And I think outside of Leonard Williams, there's not really anybody that you count on to win a matchup and get to the quarterback. And then real quick here, John, on the adult, or the Jets' defense and kind of finishing up the backside of that unit, you know, Jamal Adams continues to be one of my favorite personal players to watch despite the jersey he wears. But Tremaine Johnson, you mentioned his injuries, hasn't played up to that contract yet. What's going on in totality with that Jets secondary so far? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a revolving door due to injuries. Buster Screen missed a few games. And, you know, if you follow Buster Screen's career, I think the best way to describe him is a high volatility player. I think there are some guys in the league who are just steady every week. They don't play great. They don't play terrible. Buster Screen's the opposite of that. Buster Screen could go out and play a great game. But for every great game that he has, it seems like there are two or three where he's just awful and getting torched. So he's in the slot. You never know what you're getting from him. Morris Claiborne's kind of similar where he's really done a good job in Johnson's absence. He stepped back into the number one role he had last year. And I didn't think he played that well against Chicago. 
but he had a couple really good games before that, taking the other team's top receiver and kind of shutting them down. And then you look at the safety position. Marcus May, I mentioned a little earlier, he returned to the lineup against Chicago. He missed that first game against Miami. He was out earlier in the season. He's been really banged up this year. It all started last year when he suffered an injury in the season finale against New England. He's steady back as the deep middle guy. And as you mentioned, Adams, I think Adams is the best player in the secondary. He's having a really good year. He's, uh, I actually posted an article on the website I, I write for yesterday where I talked about some of the stats he has, especially stopping the run this year. He's been one of the best run stoppers in the league, and he's playing pretty steady in coverage when, when the Jets have him play man coverage this year. So I think Adams is, is the surest thing to go out and have a quality game on Sunday. And then the corners you have, are kind of up and down. You don't really know what you're going to get out of them, and you don't know whether Tremaine Johnson is going to be back in the lineup. Yeah, we'll see if Miami can get Jamal Adams blocked because it seems like every game they play, he gets in the backfield and gets a sack or a tackle for a loss. All right, we have some bills to pay here, and then we'll come back with John on the other side of the podcast for his prediction on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. The final segment of our Halloween, October the 31st, Wednesday crossover edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I am joined by John Butchko of the Lockdown Jets podcast. And John, I got to ask you, because we heard about Hugh Jackson this week and that whole mess with the Browns. I'm curious where you come down on Todd Bowles and in your estimation, how much longer does he have in the head chair in New York? I lean negative. I, <laughs> I, I My opinion can always change. I said the day that Todd Bowles was hired that I feel like unless there's an extreme circumstance, you, you have to give the coach four years, especially mm-hmm. a guy who was he was getting his first head coaching job in the NFL. And that's just because when you're new at any job, there are things you don't know at the start. I mean, I can tell you any job I've had four years in, I've been better than I was on day one. So I wanted to see Bowles grow into the job. I don't think it's really happened for him. And It's been tough because he hasn't really had a lot of talent outside of the first year. He was with the Jets where he won 10 games, but I just struggled to see where he makes the team better. You know, he came in, he was supposed to be kind of a defensive guru. The defenses haven't really performed that well under him. He struggled in game management. The team's player development's been up and down. Some of his hires have not been great. So I don't think he's a terrible, terrible coach, but I'm not sure he's the guy who's going to take this team to the promised land. It's always tricky because it seems like these coordinators, the hot coordinator, the you know the big time name coming in, always seems to lack in certain areas. We're seeing the same thing with Adam Gaze and the Dolphins' offense right now, so I certainly feel you on that one. But let's go ahead and finish this thing up. Give us your prediction. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Man, there's a lot to consider. You, know, you talk about how the Dolphins are playing right now. You talk about how the Jets' injuries. We have to consider the first time we did this. I picked the Jets and they lost. So do I try and like reverse the karma gods here? <laughs> um, I think I, I don't don't ask me why. I'm going with the Jets in this game. I, it, it might just be that I can't bear to pick against the pick the, against the Jets when they're playing the Miami yeah, Dolphins. Sure. Sure. I don't think I've had a host pick against their team yet on the podcast this year. So I thought maybe you would, but I don't blame you for doing that. It is the biggest rival we have. And of course, kind of battling for second place hierarchy in the AFC East. Once again, he is John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. John, thank you so much for doing this episode, man. It was a lot of fun. My pleasure. Can't wait to do it again next year. Or, you know, maybe there's a miracle and both (laughs) these teams make the playoffs. Okay. Let's not get ahead of ourselves in that. But yeah, thanks again, John. I really appreciate it. And off John goes. A nice guy there, despite the fact that he wears the jet green. 
we won't hold that over him. We'll talk more about the Jets game tomorrow on the podcast, as well as up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll have the Jets preview for you guys. But I have been talking for a while now about Twitter questions, and I haven't had time to get to them. These episodes have a time restraint to them. I have to get everything in before the Twitter questions. But I wanted to go ahead and answer a couple of these ones that you guys wrote for me yesterday. And the first one here comes from Kim Dow. It's at Kim Dizzle. Are we looking at the tight end position again next year? I think they could be more of a veteran presence. I think they're going to bank on Mike Kosicki's development. I think that you can do that with a tight end, but I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a more complimentary type tight end to fit alongside him if Durham Smythe doesn't get things going here in his rookie season. And then question number two from Dylan at TDMcha. I think that's how you say it. Why has the NFL been so much more active the past two years? I feel like you never heard of teams making big deals like we've seen lately, referring to the trade deadline. I just think that teams are really more opportunistic in terms of finding ways to improve their roster and they should be there's only a you know select few amount of ways that you can improve your roster in the NFL and with the way the salary cap has gone and free agency is kind of crazy with certain players getting pushed way up their market value trading for players is a good way to mitigate the big contract you don't have to give out and they're just finding more and more ways to improve their roster and then the last question here comes from CS Fins at CSS sales guy how do the Finns continue to grow their talent and build momentum, but also put a plan in place to get a quarterback in 2020? 2019 is trash. That is the only thing that will make this fan base happy. Tell us the blueprint. I wish it was that easy in terms of, you know, getting everything you want. But I think first and foremost, you play to win the game. You know, cue the Herm Edwards sound drop. You play to win the game. And then whatever happens after that as a result is what you deal with. I think that your management in terms of intentionally tanking would be signing certain players or certain rookies and and elevating their playing time and not putting a competitive roster on the field. I don't think Miami will ever do that under Steven Ross. I don't think he has the foresight or even the patience to make that happen. But the only way to continue to build in that direction is to just keep drafting well. And this Dolphins team has drafted well in recent years. I know people aren't happy with Charles Harris or Raquan McMillan exactly, but there are plenty of guys they've hit on, elite players they've hit on, Laramie Tunzel, Xavier and Howard, the two guys that you really focus on there. But I think just continue to play good football, continue to draft well, and then next year they really need to trade back and find more draft capital in 2020. That's my biggest contention for this year's draft. But as for this podcast, guys, that is going to be my time today please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts. leave us a rating leave us a review check out the other locked on sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams follow me on twitter at wingful nfl follow the show at locked on fins and keep up to date on our daily dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. you guys have a great rest of your night we'll talk to you again tomorrow for a preview edition of the locked on dolphins podcast talking dolphins and jets your daily dose for miami dolphins football fins up Hands on.